0: Louder! What a Quentin Tarantino know about cutting off fucking ears anyway. You see that bloody prick cut off that fucking copper's ear? There was no blood. Believe me, when you cut off someone's fucking ear, there's blood all over the fucking place. It don't stop fucking bleeding. That fucking copper fucking hardly had any blood on him at all. That fucking Quentin Tarantino knows fuck all about cutting off fucking ears. He should never have made that fucking movie, Reservoir Dogs. What a fucking cocksucker he is. <laughs> So, so I can take the money, never have to
1: run clip, 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 into my And what's up everybody and welcome to Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your guide to exploiting cinema This is the Pod Boss T.J. Bowser, and joining me as always my doppelganger, kangabanger, from down Mr. Brody Kane
0: Howdy, howdy, motherfuckers
1: And joining us as always is the Slick One himself, Mr. Slick Nick How
2: are you all this evening,
1: we have a doozy of an episode for you today, but first, you know what time it is? It's time for your slice of life. Brody,
0: tell them how it went. Actually, it wasn't too fucking bad this week, I will admit. Um, Yeah, work wasn't too bad. Did absolutely fuck all in some of the days. It's running a bit slow this week, uh, which is also not too bad. Getting paid for doing fuck all. Pretty much talking to TJ in some parts of it. Um, Oh, do you know what I fucking did? I watched the Prophecy Trilogy this week. Uh, yeah, not, not the fucking old school one, but, uh, the, the prophecy from 1995 onwards with Christopher Walken. And I'm actually surprised on how fucking decent they are. The third one's a little bit hit and miss, but that's as expected. But the sequel's actually pretty fucking decent. Um, I really wasn't expecting that. Went in with low expectations. Uh, went and saw Thor 4 this week. That's all I'll say about that. Um, not the biggest fan of that one. Um, I finally finished watching the TV series I worked on this week. It was a a bit of a slow burn, but anyway, that was actually fun to see what we were able to achieve, and um, just going back and revisiting all the places that I went to on set, that was. It was good to see unfold on TV. Um, I don't know if you boys can watch it over there, but it's called Mystery Road, and it was season three of Mystery Road. So if you get the chance, suss that out. Um, I mean, watch this beautiful bad boy, fucking old chopper, absolute gem down this way. So, yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about this film this week. But what about you, Slick Nick?
2: One of these days, I promise my answer to that will be something interesting and not just a slow week. (laughs) But it has been uh, real quiet on my end this week, mostly just working. Uh, It's even been slow at work uh, to the point where, man, I've just been bored. (laughs) Uh, So other than that, you know, I just I don't know. I've just been playing a ton of like modded fallout this week. (laughs) It's pretty much been most of my afternoons Uh, other than watching this fine film as I did yesterday. Uh, But maybe TJ can make up for that with something else interesting tj what did you do
1: (laughs) well i did a lot actually uh including but not limited to a metric shit ton of podcast stuff behind the scenes uh we had some difficulties technical difficulties last episode which i won't go into detail as to not cause trauma on these boys but those are getting sorted and we are pumping out premium content over at ProjectLouder.net, your source for pop culture, and so much more. Uh go over there and check that shit out. Anyway, did a lot of comic book stuff, wrote a ton of uh backstories for my characters, a couple spinoff stuff. Brody and I, uh, yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations lately, and uh it's it's gonna be too sweet. Got my Vincent order today. I think it was the one from Pride Month, the Partners Only Month, and that had red lips, blood on her name, knocking, and night ripper from culture shock and that was the uh that fucking art on night ripper is premium and i'm gonna look up the artist because fuck do i love that but anyway what i'm excited about is to talk about this week's film it's a Brody pick and that is chopper from
0: 2000 you probably read all the newspaper stories about me Australia's most- and, and you've heard that the, the word on the street about me do i look like mother Teresa to you and you've got a picture in your head of what, what Bloody Chopper Reed's like. Keith seems to have done himself a mischief. You're sitting here at this bar, all very nice and cosy, and I'm a bit of a bloody letdown to you. <laughs> <laughs> you have a history of violent behaviour. Used ah! to be Bloody Chopper Reed. Now I can't even get arrested in this fucking town. 20 seconds to produce some cash or so I'll fucking shoot you.
1: There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash.
2: Who says crime doesn't pay? (laughs) You've given up crime, eh?
0: (laughs) You're fucking sick, Reed. You're insane. Beethoven had his critics too, Keith. So if you can name three of them.
1: That is directed by Andrew Dominic, who also did the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford in 2007, killed them softly in 2012. One More Time with Feeling in 2016 and This Much I Know to Be True in 2022. Cinematographer Jeffrey Hall and Kevin Hayward. Music by Mick Harvey who did Identity Kid in 1988 a TV movie. Australian Rules in 2002. Suburban Mayhem in 2006 and Why Anzac with Sam Neill in 2015. We love Sam Neill here. Mm -hmm. Production design Patty Reardon who worked on The Big Hurt in 1986. Breakaway in 1990. River Street in 1996 and Horseplay in 2003. Costume design Terry Ryan who worked on The Coca-Cola Kid in 1985, I hope a future pick, The Seventh Floor in 1994, Anacondas, The Hunt for the Blood Orchid in 2004, and King Kong in 2005, the Peter Jackson film. Yeah, good one. Editing, Ken Salos, who did Malcolm in 1986, Getting Square in 2003, and Below in 2019. Budget, do we have one?
0: I looked it up and it was in the, well, they actually didn't give me a fucking accurate uh, budget, but it said something about between one to three million. Australian? (laughs) Yes. Okay.
1: Starring Eric Bana as Chopper. You may know him from The Castle in 19. 1997, Munich in 2005, and King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword in 2017. Or you may know him as that really bad CGI Hulk. hmm Yes. <laughs> hmm Vince Colosimo as Neville Bartos, who starred in Street Hero in 1984, Body of Lies in 2008, and The Great Gatsby in 2013. That has Leo in it, correct?
2: Yes, it does. And Toby Maguire as uh, Nick. <laughs>
1: David Field as Keithy George, who starred in Broken Highway in 1993, Silent Partner in 2001, and one of Brody's favorites, Mortal Kombat. Combat from 2021. Dan Wiley as Bluey, who starred in Romper Stomper in 1992, Peter Pan in 2003, and The Hunter in 2011, with Willem Dafoe. Kate Bean as Tanya, who starred in Strange Planet in 1999, Flight Planet in 2005, and Goldstone in 2016. Last but certainly not least, Simon Linden as Jimmy Lonen who starred in The Thin Red Line in 1998. That's a fucking awesome movie. It is a great movie. Falling in the Paradise in 2004 and Caught Inside in 2010.
2: Slick Nick, read it for us. Macho Ozzie Mark Brandon Chopper Reed doesn't even want to control his violent mood. Dreaming of becoming an admired crime legend, a confusing flashback structure from a murder trial shows his fickle paranoia, jealousy, and arrogance can bring him no booty. He's even too insignificant for major charges. Nevertheless, his abominable misbehavior, mainly at friends and loved ones expense, ends up launching him into another career. (laughs)
1: awards this includes but not limited to the australian film institute in 2000 best performance by an actor in a leading role eric banna best achievement in direction andrew dominic if awards in 2000 best actor eric banna best independent new filmmaker andrew dominic the stockholm film festival in 2000 best actor eric banna cognac festival de film policier in 2001 grand prix andrew dominic Critics Awards, Andrew Dominic. Last but certainly not least, the Film Critics Circle of Australia Awards in 2001 Best Film, Best Supporting Actor, Simon Linden, Best Actor, Eric Bana, and Best Director, Andrew Dominic. Boys, let's get physical. <laughs> Okay, so this week's release is from Madman Entertainment. And it was released October 14th, 2021. Relatively new, rated R18+, which must be one of those ratings over there. Runs 94 minutes. And it features an audio commentary by director Andrew Dominic. Audio commentary by Mark Chopper-Reed. Deleted scenes. And then there's a bunch of stuff that I got information on. Brody, are these like featurettes?
0: So basically, um, a couple of these is... Well, let me just explain. It sort of break it down in the fact of uh, cinematography. So one of them, I think it might be uh, Bluey and the Stabbing. Just, you know, uh, the camera stays on him the whole time throughout this deleted scene. Uh, It's basically what you see in the movie, but in the movie they cut it up to Intervine what the the actions between the characters, where in this it just stays on him the whole time and just showcases him acting out the scene, which is actually really interesting to fucking watch. Um hmm. and how Bluey was able to really work himself up and just command Spew on the spot. So that's yeah, all these little deleted scenes here have got a really unique uh feeling about them in the sense of acting and how they block the scenes out so they're a little bit different a different take on the deleted scene bit okay huh
1: i did not realize that that those were deleted scenes thank you for that information okay Come so cool. on to the actual featurettes weekend with chopper eric banna meets chopper himself that's pretty cool animated main cast and crew filmographies which is also pretty cool and it's a region free disc i believe you can buy that on amazon but that is an Aussie disc but like i said it's region free so you can watch that anywhere and we highly recommend that you go out and get this physical release as it is not available in the states from any company and it is not on streaming other than youtube and the youtube copy that is out there is a vhs rip and nobody wants that especially in a film that has the potential to be as pretty as this one and
2: yeah you um, can buy the dvds but they're 54 (laughs) dollars Yeah, I want the Blu-ray.
0: Well, I'm pretty sure they just released a uh, 30th anniversary 20th. of Chopper. I'm, oh, 20th, sorry. Yeah, because the majority of the in- additional information I got is from the latest yes, reviews now. with the director.
1: You have Get one. them quick. There's only three left. <laughs> do you have the Madman Blu-ray disc?
0: No, I do not. I'm still yet to buy it. Um, I've got the DVD of it, and that's about it.
1: Okay. Yeah, so we highly recommend uh, that one. in uh, looks like it's the uh, only one out there and anytime uh, physical media is there we say buy it boys I know you guys dug up some good shit and I know that this guy's a fucking gold mine, and I can't wait to talk about him so let's dive deep so in an
0: interview with director Andrew Dominic at premiere scene Andrew's asked what it, in particular that made him want to debut as a filmmaker and making a film about Chopper and Andrew's response was well there was a certain practical element to it which I thought it's the kind of movie that would get made I was interested in it but I also thought okay there's an audience for this because he'd written that book the first book everyone had read it and it was the most shot book in Australian history. It was so funny at the time but what really hooked me was the contradictions in it. Mark takes his whole stance that he killed all these people not a civilian in the bunch and he doesn't regret any of them but he would also describe having dreams where the face of his victims came back to him and you can tell that there was a contradiction there and that got me interested in him.
2: So Andrew then talks about capturing realism of the film and reflecting it to the audience. He says, well, uh, I was trying to get the visual stuff to give you a feeling pretty much, uh, but obviously what happens in the story is Mark faces a transition from being a criminal to being an artist, in that, you, in that you see him. We basically tell stories to make sense of the world, it's how we describe the meaning of things, we tell a story about him. With the murder of Sammy the Turk, you see him telling stories that make him, that make him look better, that makes him feel better about himself, and each time it's retold, it gets further away from the ugly truth which I think is
0: interesting. Then we have Andrew talking about the restoration process of Chopper. He goes on to say, I regraded it and did all of that stuff. And in fact, what I did was when Chopper was made, it was photochemical. There was no such thing as a DI, which is digital intermediate. So you didn't have all that control. And I made Chopper look absolutely beautiful. I just regraded the whole thing and it just looks stunning. And then I watched it and I thought, I don't like this fucking movie, to which then he laughs and says, it just doesn't play right anymore. So I went back and put it back and graded it like it used to look. I undid all the work and I let it be harsh and overexposed here and there. And all of a sudden the film snapped back into being what it used to be. So that was a lesson.
2: I think it helps with the flashback kind of aspect to it. I think it works. Absolutely. So Andrew talks about Eric Playing Chopper he says, I think what Eric really brought to the part, aside from the fact that he's funny, is his sensitivity. Eric's got these wounded eyes, and he's a deeply sensitive guy, which Mark is too. And I guess there's a charisma, but there's also a kind of wound that you can see.
0: And uh to elaborate on that a little bit more, we have Andrew talking about getting to know Mark Chopper Reed behind the scenes, goes on to say, Well, I mean as well, I mean as well as you can know somebody like Mark. I, I spent seven years thinking about about him. I certainly have my opinions on who Mark is. And in some ways, I felt I knew Mark better than Mark knew Mark, which I know is a pretty arrogant thing to say, but I did. That's how really I felt about it, that I knew him better than he did. I felt a lot of love for Mark.
2: In an interview at Outtake Mag with Andrew, he elaborates more on meeting Mark and his personality. He says, there was something grandmotherly about Mark. There was a certain offense that he would take that reminded me of a grandmotherly offense, you know? Maybe it was his mother's voice in him or something? His mother was kind of a horror, uh, from what I could gather. She was violent towards him, and the instigator of all of that violence uh, that was directed towards a child, whether it was dished out by his father or by her. There was something feminine about his rage, if that makes any sense. It's a thing that I've noticed, like Kenny Graham, who plays Mark's father in the film. He's playing his own father. People carry the internal voice of their abuser. That's why the best people to play prison guards are prisoners, because they've internalized that voice. In fact, that's what you see in Chopper. The prison guards will come in and play prison guards, and they would and they would play them like they were Bruce Wayne or Clark Kent. But then you get prisoners to play prison guards, and they'll play them like assholes. So there was a feminine component to Mark's rage, to that voice within him that hates.
0: Uh, going by what you were saying, then Nick, I will explain why um, he is what he is, and that's mainly due to the fact that you know his parents did beat him. Uh, he was abused when he was a child, molested, um, and. You know, by the age of 14, he was placed in several mental institutions uh, as a teenager where he actually went um, or underwent electroshock therapy. Uh-huh. So you can definitely tell it's taken its toll on him, the poor bloke. Yeah. But moving on with the additional information, we have Andrew talking about spending the weekend with Mark. And he goes on to say, Mark has a way of making you feel like he's doing you a favor by not killing you. He's completely <laughs> an erratic person, but so funny. And that videotape I made of him on that weekend away, which you can see on YouTube, I would just put that on. It was like four or six hours of video and I'd watch the whole thing, just sit there and watch everything he says uh, because it's just so compelling. But it was pretty scary to be sitting there. He'd give us plenty of demonstrations too, like, and this is how I, and this is how you stab a guy in the face. Of course he so. would.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Andrew talks about Mark's reaction to watching the film. He says he watched it through the door from the kitchen uh, as it was playing on his tv he said he must be psychic who did you talk to he felt that it was about 98 percent accurate and he said that watching himself from the outside made him reconsider a lot of what he'd done he wanted to see how someone else saw him i took him at his word on that but i also did a whole lot of things he told me not to do so i was pretty worried he didn't want to be seen taking drugs even though he was a sweet freak because that was his whole anti-drug stance that he had in the books that he was like a batman cleaning up the baddies also no violence against women that was something i knew knew he had done, and no poems. Mark was always writing little poems, but all three of those things were in the film. I mean, the drugs and beating up Sharon were the worst offenses in terms of how Mark reacted to them being included
0: in the film. Yeah, he's pretty hypocritical in the film, but... Um, In an interview with Eric Banner over at the Guardian, Eric talks about Chopper. He goes on to say, I grew up in Melbourne, so I knew about Mark and what he'd done. Chopper was a really unusual script. Very funny, very dark. I was pretty confident I could portray him. So spending time with Mark was priceless. I knew there could be real ramifications if it all didn't go too well. We just listened to him talk about prison and his theories about life and people. I got that sense of an alpha presence and soaked it up like a sponge.
2: So Eric, talks about the process of becoming Mark every day for the film. Says it took two to three hours to get ready every day. I would shave my head um, myself to make the prosthetics for my hacked off ears easier to glue down. Uh, Applying the tattoos took many hours of painstaking hand-drawn artwork and they would only last about two days. So we only did them when I had to take my
0: shirt off. He also goes on to say, I always joked with Andrew that there was never a scene when I just asked, can I have a pie, please? Everything was loaded and had deep meaning throughout the film during difficult scenes i fell back on two things that was truthful and my complete trust in andrew as a director that he was, was that whoring yeah that he that wasn't he, whoring out the subject yeah that he wasn't whoring out the subject for some kind of violence porn
2: and finally eric talking about mark's reaction to his performance says i was probably more worried for andrew than i was for myself regarding mark's reaction obviously I hope he enjoyed my performance, that it didn't make him cringe, and that it felt truthful, but I never talked to him directly out of it. But I never talked to him directly about it, maybe out of respect. Uh, I never pretended that Mark and I were going to end up best mates.
1: Well, boys, let's talk about it! Okay, favourite performance of the film, Brady. It's your pick, take it away.
0: Well, I think it's uh, pretty self-explanatory with uh, Mr. fucking Banner stealing the show (laughs) as Chopper. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've really ever seen not only an iconic performance uh, as a character portrayal, but, uh, well, it's so accurate to say, but in terms of uh, even visual appearance and mannerisms, fuck me, Eric just got that so damn pat. It even got. I, I saw in another interview somewhere that it got to the point where people actually thought Eric Banner was Chopper. Like they actually thought that he was Chopper, and they like would come up on to the production. Him. No, people on the street okay. that, that didn't know that didn't know Chopper himself. They thought that Eric Banner was. So oh. it was pretty <laughs> damn yeah, and. um for him to go from this uh charming and lovable, su- well, somewhat lovable human to a psychotic and uh, this paranoid schizo, uh, it's just fun to see unfold. Uh It's just, yeah, I think it's absolutely fucking fantastic to see. He should have got more of a recognition than he deserves. Well, it pretty much He's set his future up seller. after this. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this was the film that, pretty much launched his career in the world uh world so yeah no it was actually great to see eric banner pull that off um i will just mention just a small honorable mention to his dad who's played by kenny graham even though there's so little of him in this film i think that he has some of the most memorable quotes and you know his dad just to me resembles pretty much australia's old school mannerisms um even when i'm Even where I'm from, you know, that's just how everyone pretty much sort of sees us and, you know, even talk like his old man, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just there's so many uh, characters in this that was actually portrayed very well um, but yeah Mr. Banner himself what about you slick Nick? Well
2: uh, I think yeah I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. I will say my honorable mention probably goes to Dan Willie as bluey He wasn't in yeah. for a very long time either but uh, I just I genuinely thought his and Jimmy's performances at the beginning uh Simon Simon Linden's performances Jimmy those were both fantastic um, that the stabbing scene. I, I, uh, I'm really interested to watch that, uh, the feature, the deleted scene where it just focuses on Bluey during that scene. Specifically, I just love how it was pointed out, uh, when Chopper is explaining to them their, their suicide mission, uh, <laughs> And he goes at Bluey and he's like, I better not catch you back in the fucking corner crying again like last time, right? And he goes, yeah. When Jimmy is stabbing him, he's in the corner crying (laughs) immediately afterwards. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, honestly, Eric Bana just steals the the show for every bit of screen time that he's on. Uh he's completely fucking unhinged in a believable sense. Um, I mean, yeah, I watched some of the interviews like I told, uh, I was talking to Brody about this yesterday, I watched some of the interviews with Chopper, um, the actual guy afterwards, and you can definitely, definitely see just how close he like nailed his mannerisms and like just the way he speaks and the humor and everything for it, and it's honestly fantastic. TJ, what about you?
1: You guys said everything that could be said about Eric Banna and his Performance in this film. So I won't really elaborate on that much because there's no need. I like the Neville guy. He's, he's greasy as fuck. Uh, and I like the guy who plays him. I think that uh, he comes off as a nice uh bad guy. And then Jimmy, he's a fucking scumbucket and a half and he's definitely believable. So just a little mm-hmm. mention there to Jimmy and Neville. Definitely memorable characters in this little uh story here. So just kind of to give a little different answer than Yin's, uh, I'd have to say Jimmy. And that piece of shit neville
2: honestly that's fair neville uh actually reminds me of you remember from boogie nights the drug dealer friend that they try to rip off uh-huh. when they get their buddy killed and the robbery he kind of here reminds like me Rossi? of them i think so <laughs>
0: <From Manio laughs> isn't that played by uh,
2: doc Ock? oh alfred molina i'm pretty sure that's played by him yeah i could double check you might be right yep <laughs> yep that uh, is Alfred Molina. Good shit. Where were we talking about? Oh, Neville bloody burst appendix. Yeah. Fucking-
1: <laughs> oh, was he? Doc- was he the doctor?
2: No, no, no. Uh, I had said that he reminded me of the character from Boogie Nights, oh. Rahad, that they tried to rob. Uh, they, oh. you know, held him at gunpoint, and then their buddy got blasted with a shotgun and fucking.
1: I haven't watched Boogie. Marky Mark runs probably- out. A decade.
2: I fucking love that movie.
1: <laughs> boys, what's your favorite set piece?
2: I'm gonna have to go with Neville's pad. Neville's I'm gonna have to go with Neville's cool. house. It is pretty great. And not doing is... too bad
1: for myself, huh? Yeah, really <laughs> <got>
2: it, boys. <laughs> Check it out. I got a giant fucking pool, <laughs> like raised pool in the I back.
1: I fucking thought it was so funny that Neville just kept picking up opening up his shirt to see his chains i'm just like, look, I'm doing great for myself. Just fucking look out.
2: Look, look how many fucking chains I have, Chopper. I'm doing great. <laughs>
0: What do you think what do you think i'm fucking doing i'm fucking flying i'm fucking flying mate (laughs) i was saying to nick there earlier when um they're actually at neville's house and he's like um what are you doing nick what are you doing get us some drinks quick stick you follow me around like you want to fuck me in the ass and then chopper had the (laughs) cheek to go that explains your limp (laughs) even though he'd give him that fucking limp (laughs) (laughs) so good so good.
1: (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I also have to see Bojangles. Love it.
2: (laughs) Bojangles is great and at first, I kept getting really confused because here Bojangles is like, it's a chicken restaurant. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a fried fast food chicken place. Uh, Not where I'm at, but it's like an East Coast thing. And so the entire time, I just kept imagining they were like trying to get him to go to a fucking chicken place to kill him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, as he says at the end, there's like fans that send him pictures in front of Bojangles restaurants with like guns and shit and doing shit. And that's all over the world, not just Australia. So our Bojangles is something huh. wrapped up in it. Like he said, once from Arizona.
2: Yeah, that was right. It was, uh, <laughs> he got oh, the that. letter from like a mayor or a sheriff yeah. in Arizona. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Brody, just to kind of give us some context, how true is the movie to the actual locations? Did they use the real locations?
0: That is actually a fucking good question. I, I, <sighs> From my understanding they would have they would have used the exterior stuff for Bojangles I'm pretty sure not entirely sure if they used the outside of it I think it might have been oh, fuck that's actually a really good question I don't know if it was pulled down when it was being filmed there I have been past it before so a part of me thinks it was still up and running when they when they shot this film okay. um but I had that same question in my head when I was watching this as well I uh Pentridge itself the prison I'm pretty sure that was still there it's been torn down now okay. Um and there's yeah, there's been homes built there. Um but yeah. Um no, I'd have to agree with you uh, on Bojangles. Um I mean, it's got great music, shit lighting, Chubb just out of the clink jacked up on speed and paranoid as fuck, it's all a recipe for disaster. So I mean, what's not like to like about this place really? Um just everyone's just having a fucking good time. And I notice they stocked a Melbourne bitter too, so that's a win f- for me every well, day of the yeah. fucking week. <laughs> of fucking course. Bang. <laughs> I like it better over. than the bar
2: from uh, Once We're Warriors. Okay, dude, that joint is gross. <laughs> That's real grimy, but I don't know. I, I liked Bojangles over uh, over the bar in Warriors.
1: Fair enough. So favorite scene or shot this is a film that is just filled with just memorable scene and memorable shot mm-hmm. and like Brody said a little bit earlier they have some tasteful way of showing things and it kind of plays into the twists and stuff that go through this film and it leaves a lot to, to the mind almost lynching in that way because of the odd story structure but we'll get into mm-hmm. that later uh scene the opening scene super strong with the stabbing in the gut and the way he's no selling the stabs they kind of try to teach him a lesson super cool uh I've love the violence in the houses and the way that those are shot because everything's super claustrophobic and you're following him down corridors similar to like once we're warriors when uh mm. there's violence going in the house it's almost mm-hmm. like this uh ultra realistic way to portray violence and like it's it's kind of realish so whenever he attacks his girlfriend slash horror and that's not in the sex positive way uh damn sh- uh damn <laughs> <to laughs> So I just needed to tell him if, he, if he's if she's killing Neville or not. Come on, just answer his fucking question. Uh,
0: you get that mouth away of me. Taste of Wog's cock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look what she did. She got mom all upset. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh,
0: just so what you keep know, going and done. Uh,
1: we we hear it, uh, LC. No way endorse uh, violence or domestic violence. No. But that <laughs> no, scene is no. fucking shot terrifically, and just yeah, just the way that they per- the they approached violence in this film is really well, and mm-hmm. just to mention the last shot with the dude in the wrong Bojangles parking lot is awesome. And I oh love, yeah. I just love all the cinematography that went into him trying oh. to explain his perspective and then other people's perspective. It's, it's really cool. It's almost Tarantino ish. If, if like, there's all these different yeah. things going on and, and it's like, like there's somebody behind you and there's something like there's watching. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. I love it. It's cool. It's Bro
0: Pulp Fiction. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah it's uh, definitely a film that it does catch realism and it doesn't feel like it's got a lot going on in the cinematography thing, but then when you think about it in terms of breaking that scene down in lighting and how the camera is on sticks or whatever it is, the blocking. No, you're right. There's a lot going on and it makes sense and it looks fucking cool and it's stylish in its own little way, but it is a nod to Tarantino. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I think the whole scene of Neville rocking up to, uh, the whole scene of Chopper rocking up to Neville Bartos' fucking house is, um, just how it's all laced with this dark Dark humour, <laughs> the the tongue in cheek on Chopper. Like the, che- the cheekiness of Chopper to rock up to his house after pulling a fucking gun on him in the bojangles. That was funny. Um, I mean, also takes a piss out of him right in front of his mates and then drinks his piss, snorts his cocaine and asks for cash to finally shoot Neville. Fuck me. In fairness though, Neville had it coming. Um, Piece especially of shit. when Neville, yeah, Neville was, uh, shagging his, uh, brothel expert Tanya, the old missus. So, but it's probably, uh, not only that, the most quotable scene of the whole fucking movie, I find. Um, and if you ask anyone, that's seen it they immediately go to fucking uh that scene with neville because they talk mm-hmm. about the the cash scene. you know here there's no cash no cash rubbo no cash you know so um i mean there's a lot there's a lot in this film that you could have chosen and it would be absolutely fantastic um for a favorite scene i don't know that was just mine anyway i guess followed by the jimmy apartment scene yes i was of,
2: hoping you'd bring uh, a good transition yeah. to mine
0: because that was mine <laughs> that yeah, was my um, pick. It
2: Was my favorite scene.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on there. But yeah, I'll leave it to you to uh, talk about this one, Nick. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I'd say I, I do love um,
2: him rocking up to Neville's house. Uh, extremely memorable dialogue. <laughs> Again, it feels Tarantino. Like, just the amount of dialogue and the way that it's structured and flows. It's very much like uh, Tarantino's work. But yeah, no, it, it was just, it was a bit more reserved and a bit more tense. The scene at Jimmy's apartment. Like, it was almost it just the level of intensity even after you know he's passed his guns through and everything and you know the entire reason because he's there he's definitely still got one uh and it's just waiting for the moment where talking to Jimmy something's gonna push him over like something's gonna set him off and uh, it's inevitable and just him holding the gun to Jimmy's head and Jimmy screaming at him to shoot him in front of his kids is fucked (laughs) with his like yeah with his like eight month pregnant smoke. Smoking fiance standing behind him. She was more again than as,
1: smoking. She was fucked up. She was I, Yeah. Again. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. It, it was part of why earlier I was just like going through the whole thing, like nobody. I don't want to
1: go to bed right now. I wasn't talking to her. <laughs> talking gotcha. to the fucking kids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> and, then, and then just her getting mad at him just for talking about yeah. criminal stuff in general. Don't talk about She's the like, fucking, fucking kids here. You can't talk about this shit. Kids. It's like, dude, you are out of your fucking mind right now like nothing like, any of you are doing is okay i day
0: do the fucking dishes
2: it's just <laughs> fuck uh which again that probably this scene also adds into why uh, i think jimmy was probably my honorable one of my honorable mentions of blee and one of tj's picks for his acting it's just fantastic uh it, it did kind of weird me out just how trusting everyone still is of chopper even after they've seen exactly how fucking unhinged I... and willing to just kill them he is that like both Neville and Jimmy let him into their houses just because he's like I'm just here to apologize I' you know what? Like, my bad water under the bridge i'm just here to apologize and they're like well fuck me that's great get inside <laughs>
1: i think it's just like society the time of when this stuff happened I suppose and just again I, I there has to be cultural differences down there from like where we are at and like where right. brody's so yeah maybe there's a little disconnect there but like he was a sort of vigilante like we said he's almost batman-esque to a point here and a lot of this film we don't know which was uh him tripping on h or crack or or literally his brain like brody said the, the poor guy went through uh, some electric shock therapy and stuff and a lot of this film plays on his paranoia and the perception of what's real and what's not and I I fucking love that if you want to see more of that read our comic series Uh, but like yeah it's fucking really well done and that will kind of transition into our effect and death so when it comes to death I love the more elaborate ones and not in the saw way I'm talking the ones where the actors are really in tune with what the fuck's going on and like one of my favorite kills in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is uh, when the guy gets his head hit with the uh, beat hammer the tenderizing hammer. yes and then he shakes afterwards to sell the hit uh mm-hmm. the same way in this film at uh, when the man gets shot in the face with the shotgun he sells it he's he leans back a little bit, gets his balance, and then starts walking and then falls over. It's just the way that you sell it just makes it that much more believable to me. And I think that, that just made that scene so much cooler, especially with the perspective change that happens a little bit later. It just adds more context. And yeah, uh, I don't know, intrigue to that scene, boys.
2: So yeah, I guess kind of on that same sort of subject, I thought that Keithy, uh, that that cell of him being st- stabbed in the face and the neck and everything and while Chopper's talking to him, will be like, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, you're not gonna bleed out, don't worry about it, they're coming to get you, you you'll, you'll be fine. While he's writhing around in his own blood and still kind of trying to get away from Chopper, like, trying to scooch himself back and everything, he's like, fuck away from me, he's bleeding out everywhere. And then, just the scene from when it's shot over Chopper's shoulder, looking down at him initially, while he's just kind of writhing around, trying to comprehend what the hell just even happened to him, like, that was probably one of the more grislier, like shanking scenes of anything that I've seen. Um, you're thinking of like, uh, I don't Breaking Bad had what twelve of them in the period of American History minute. did. Um, American History X, I believe American History X had one. Um, I think that one's more well-known for the curb stomp. <laughs> True that. <laughs> but like this one, just the way that Keithy sells it, like it's, it, it doesn't look fun. <laughs> None of the uh,
1: the violence in this film looks fun. Not no. even the, the headbutt to, to mom.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> I was <laughs> wondering if he was actually going to hit her until he just headbutted her. Up. Yeah, well, I should have seen that one. Well,
1: at first I suspended disbelief. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's just punching the wall behind her to scare her. And then whenever mm-hmm. she falls and he headbutts her mom, I'm like, fuck, this full uh, <laughs>
2: shit yeah uh, i don't think it was the wall <laughs> yeah yeah it uh, but yeah one. i mean that was that was probably uh my favorite was was keithy's uh death as for effect i am going to have to go with the retelling perspective changes for sammy the turk's death uh you mentioned it earlier that that corner shot uh whenever it went to reveal that jimmy was around <laughs> and he brought <laughs> him out to the wrong fucking parking lot and it got him killed <laughs> like that what the <laughs> fuck was just... she doing up at
1: 6 a.m pregnant at Bojangles <laughs> like... anyway? Bojangles, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh but yeah no i mean the effects of the retelling of that probably some of my favorite as well as the uh the slightly sped up dialogue and everything mm. to after you know they've done the speed i mean it's so cool just the audio is just slightly higher and everything's just slightly faster i thought that was a really cool implementation for it uh what about what about you brody
0: i would have to agree with you with the uh the Kathy stabbing um, mm. i mean i remember saying that as a kid and i was like what the fuck um but in terms of breaking that scene down, the camera, the way the way that Chopper comes in, stabs him, then we get that slow motion reveal of the stab wounds in keithy's fucking face. And you see the trickles of blood fall out of him. It's just it just adds that depth of shock to the audience. And um I love how the wide shot then establishes the whole entire room of these prisoners just shitting themselves while keithy um, you know, struggles and or well, struggles to verbally abuse Chopper. And um, you know, he's just lying in a massive Pool of that dark blaze. it's just its just an unexpected mm-hmm. and it comes out of nowhere and even to add to that um, you know uh, chop, it's like what you said there before then it's like Chopper stabs first asks questions later and then that's when he sort of questions himself to the point where he's like fuck what have I done mm-hmm. and then Keith says something to him and then he just instantly snaps and he's like well I'm not the dumb cunt pissing blood Keith so he immediately reflects that back onto him as if he's the blame for that scenario and then just to play it off all cool calm and clean, collective as the fucking guards come in so we sort of get these three different versions of chopper in that one little scene and i really fucking love that i even love his little story to the fucking board how he's Talking about, well, all I can really tell you is that Ambrose Patterson was taking a piss, Bluey was reading a magazine, Jimmy was watching a bull ant cross the table, and I was watching Jimmy watch the bull ant cross the table. <laughs> Sadly, none of us can tell you of exactly what happened at this time. So, you know, he's yeah. just very cunning and quick-witted with what he is able to achieve in these human emotions. Andy and he was I making fucking the court love laugh. Him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yes. He's like, Between yeah, him and Jimmy. <laughs> That's right, he, yeah, because he goes, <laughs> and he goes. you lent him that suit. Yeah, I did on it. I know it's not a fashion uh, contest, but if I had to let him wear what he was going to wear in court today, you would have given him 10 years of bad taste.
2: And, uh, that was, was so fun. good. Yes, yeah, That whole court scene was great. I'd say uh, shortly after when the guards were coming in for the Keithy scene is probably one of my favorite quotes was just being, oh, Keithy's
0: gone and done himself a mischief. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) yeah no he's um but yeah that that's i mean like yeah there's so much going on in this film with effects and that it's absolutely fantastic even the reveal sorry i'll just i keep rambling on here but i just want to mention the scene that we're after uh jimmy stabs chopper and he reveals all the stab wounds after he pulls his uh wife beater up and fuck me it's just hard to watch bluey
2: pukes and i couldn't agree more
0: Yeah, so it's great stuff
1: so thoughts on story i'll kind of take this it is such a unique story the way the story is structured like i said earlier is almost lynchian because it's just so odd and the way that it's told is from perspectives from different perspectives from altered perspectives and it makes you guess and kind of interpret scenes in different ways and i love that in this film I love that it's not straightforward. It's not linear. And I love how he's kind of reflecting on his own career and the things that he's done and how it loops back around. Uh, I love how the film ends with a kind of like a realization and a reminder to him that, Hey, yeah, that was fun, but I'm in jail at the end of the day and they have mm-hmm. to shut that door. And I think that that just, it just ties everything up so fucking well. But like you can look at some of the stuff he said, like he did and be like, was this justified? Was this not justified? What actually happened? What perspective is real here? Especially whenever the reveal of the last scene, though comical to a point, it's also revealing that everything that he was paranoid with, about was actually real and everything that he thought was happening was actually happening. So I don't know. It's just such a unique story. And the fact that it's based on a real person and that this person exists is just so fascinating. And I, and I truly think that in Ozploitation films, this stands out. And I'm happy that we're able to to do this. And it has a Melbourne Bitter uh, can in it. So it gets extra points.
0: <laughs> it's a two thumbs up.
1: Yes. Uh, I think we've made that clear. So yeah, that's Brody. From an Aussie perspective, let us know your <clears> thoughts.
0: <throat> Um, Yeah, like, I think it really definitely captures Australia uh, quite well, especially back in the days. Um, I mean, this is obviously a passion project for director Andrew Dominic, and he really knows how to tell this. Well, he really knows how to capture um, the essence of realism and you know transfer that visually to the audience it's it's actually great to see unfold how he was able to do this uh i mean you hit the nail on the head talking about the story structure of this um it does feel very lynchian um and yeah especially playing with the the duo of um uh, you know personality did it happen was it real was it not um i think it's a interesting view on the life of a real serial killer and how we go on this journey with him
1: uh wait wait question uh, Serial killer or vigilante?
0: Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. Depends on who you ask. (laughs) Or yeah, one perspective, exactly. and it might...
1: you're like, the whole film, you think he's doing this for no reason, right? But then he says, at yeah. some point, I wish it was schizophrenic, so this would be easy.
2: Yes. Right. And then <laughs> and then he's he's kind of like talking himself, like bragging about it whenever he's doing the interview for the book at the end, where he's just talking about how he likes to cut off people's toes. He's like, yeah, just pop off. It's just, I like it. Does <laughs> like, Batman he goes, like you know, his job? I think it depends on which series of comics, but...
1: <laughs> well, I'm just saying that he, Batman sometimes questions himself, too, on whether... What yeah, is helping or hurting. And I think the same can be applied to chopper. Like I said, it's a society thing. And the society's different down there. And if you're in like this, I don't know, like gangster uh, style of living with the drugs and the violence like this, this would definitely be on par with that sort of vigilantism. But then again, I don't have that context, so I can only guess.
2: One thing that this did get me thinking about uh, when he was doing that interview at the end, Brody, um, does Australia have this, So this is a thing in the US. Does Australia have a law where if a criminal writes a book or does a mo- like makes a thing about the crimes that they did, uh, are they allowed to make money off of that? Because in the US you cannot. And it was a thing because uh, John Wayne Gacy would like make paintings and stuff about about him being a serial killer and sell them from prison and was making money off of it and so like the family sued and it turned into a a law up here
0: that's actually a really good question i'm not entirely sure but it would make sense that he wouldn't earn fuck all really from anything i don't think he earned anything from the film actually
1: but like they said in the thing that he that he's been suspected of like 50 and he was only convicted of
0: certain Uh, one yeah there was a there was about 19 or 20 um yeah and he has been guilty on one out of the nineteen or twenty that he was um yeah or murders say, whatever the wasn't fuck there was. a, a yeah, big number
1: the, he said it at some point though I think
0: I think he gets asked in the interview with the news reporter oh. and then he goes yes yes there was one there was one and that's pretty much it because I sort of cut they,
1: they bring it up like that scene where they the cops really don't believe him
0: right because so they think I'm someone else did it that,
1: like some of the other crimes that he talks about in the book they just don't believe him like they're just
2: yeah yeah he thought because they thought he was fucking with them yes. whenever he told them he killed sammy the turk and they were like right if this is based
1: after (sighs) his real life and some of this stuff actually happened is there a possibility that there's the cops just don't believe some of these stories It's not like police have so not nuts. been
2: incompetent in murder investigations in the past. So, yeah. I
1: mean. Because, <laughs> like, like, again, like, perspective. Because, like, the vigilante thing w- bringing up runs again. Were the cops at some point in league with him allowing this to happen? Or was it just ignorance allowing it to happen and he was kind of working with the cops? Because he thought he was working with the cops. And the constant meeting with, with those two officers kind of seemed like that. And then the twist at the end kind of made you think, maybe it was that. I don't know. Because maybe the cops were complicit in the entire thing because at the end he's sitting with the cops like he's one of the boys.
2: Right. But even then the impression that I got when he was first speaking to them at the beginning and they're like you, you keep telling people that we've given you carte blanche to do absolutely anything you want. No, we have not. Stop, stop See, doing that. Stop saying is, that. He's like, I get it. I get it. And they're like, no, yeah,
1: that followed the scene that after he did the heroin. So I and then but he's joking and the way that it stays the camera stays on his face and he's like, "Ah, I get it. Ah, I get it
0: get it
2: Every right <laughs> but it, like i don't know it, the way it came off was like he felt like he was closer with the officers than they may have considered him to be like he was like i'm in i'm in with the cop i can do whatever i want and they're like no you're just a criminal informant man like calm down <laughs> no you can't kill people no you can't do whatever you want stop busting your gun out whenever you meet with us like why kind of had that of his feeling
1: charges reduced though at the
2: end right that's what i mean is like it's, it's weird so strange you can't tell which of it is just in his head basically like, his retelling, his remembering of what happened.
1: And that's why I question the vigilante thing in the society. Right. It's just, maybe at that time, the cops in that area were just like, you know what, we need help.
2: (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: i don't know
2: i guess he probably did but oh no he's yeah chopping yeah, because that, that gets right. brought
1: up that like he that all the people that he did this to were illegal prostitutes were drug dealers were bad people murderers so like all of this had like he had reasoning but like yeah at the end of yeah
2: the- i mean he also had plenty of reason to can to like to consider that jimmy was betraying him again because he already betrayed him once when they yes. were in prison together like it he had you know that made sense he had probable multiple, cause to believe that jimmy was gonna fuck him over again on yeah him.
1: i don't know the whole thing is it's, again.
2: But crazy story it's but, an insane but story this
1: speaks for the impactfulness of the film and that transitions us to our last topic is that the fact that we're having these conversations and this film is eliciting these types of conversations 20 years after the film is released that the fact that we're still wondering what actually happened what went on during that time and just holy fuck choppa uh yeah that's this film. It definitely led that Andrew Dominic guy's career. Uh, he definitely has a unique way of telling stories and showing violence on screen. And I think that's very prevalent in his film, the, Assassina- the Assassination of Jesse James. Uh, I've, I've seen that before. And it's a really cool film.
2: Killing Them Softly as well. Mm. Ray Liotta's death scene. And that is it's, it's rest in peace. Hard. By the way, we lost yes. him
1: not too long ago. Truly sad. One of the best. He was craft.
2: I, th- I think he was working on a, a film, too, when he died. So I wonder Dude, yes. how that's going to go. Yeah. I wonder what's what's going to happen with that. I hope it still gets made. I'd love to see one last movie with him. So, but it definitely uh, asserted his style of violence
1: and storytelling because, like you said, <clears> the <throat> films that he did afterwards are definitely that it's there. You know, uh, I I really I'm not from this area and I don't know that. So, kind of Brody could probably give us a little bit more insight on impact and takeaways, Brody.
0: Yeah, well, look, like I said earlier, I think uh, like Dominic was able to capture like that essence uh, of the era and time of the eighties during Victoria and Melbourne and that Um, having not being from Melbourne uh, it's a whole new different um, you know view of my perspective of that but I think what he was able to capture really portrays it uh, extremely well Um, I feel that after watching this film me personally Australian cinema making uh, true stories like chopper you know we definitely know how to capture that realism in film and I think that's where we are at our best in the um, industry Uh, we we just know how to create well this probably sounds a little bit Biased and arrogant to say, but I think that we know how to really showcase powerful story structure in true events, real shit that happened, and we have no filter. What we really want to show you what actually happened and how it happened, whatever. You don't pull your punches. Like, yeah, exactly. We don't hold back. We want to give you that experience. We want to put you, the viewer, in the room with what actually happened. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's standard filmmaking, but at the same time, it's all due to the story itself and how well it's perceived and um yeah i think it re- we really know how to focus on yeah like i said placing the viewers with the characters in a room and just be like this is what actually happened and it adds to that shock factor uh i mean and we will elaborate a little bit more on that when we do snowtown later in the season you will really get to see mm-hmm. that play out probably better than uh, chopper because it is so fucking disturbing um yeah so i mean and also like that uh, the yeah, like you, you were saying there before with um, Chopper, the main thing for me taken away with this as well is I love how much he just talks a lot of shit. We don't know what's real or what's not, and yeah, Dominic was able to capture that probably the best. Out of all his films, I think this is his strongest film. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I forgot to mention before, actually, my um father's cousin worked at Pentridge Prison on H Division as a guard. That's and right. he actually, yeah, used to fucking know Chopper quite well. And I remember him telling us when Chopper fucking hacked his ears off, he pulled him aside and goes, What do you think about me, new fucking ears? To which my dad's cousin responded and said, You fucking silly prick. If you start to go blind, how you meant to? Wear your fucking glasses. And he goes, Well, I fucking didn't think about that one, did I? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I just thought I'd throw that in there. But, yeah, I mean, That's what great. about you guys? What about you, Slick Nick?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Snowtown uh, for later on in this season. Uh, one of my picks I was about to say. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if I can notice the impact uh, from Chopper on Snowtown since, you know, it came out uh, 11 years later. I believe it was a 2011 mm-hmm. film. Um, And then uh, Nitrum as well, like for these retellings of, you know, true events and everything, because I have to agree with you on that. I think some of my favorite movies based on real life events have been Australian films. Um, So it's really interesting to see sort of where it was at in 2000 and how this launched two careers. like immediate, you know, immediately following after with Eric Bana and Andrew Dominic. Um, I, I'd say you yeah, know it's probably there's not much else I could say that you didn't cover. Mostly, it just it is such a standout film. Um, I see what impacted it a lot with, the, you know, the David Lynchian style, um, story structure and just that sort of once we're warriors, like gr- grittiness of the whole thing. Um, and it's a good exploitation pick. I'll tell you what it is. It, it really, really is. Uh, yeah, I get, I mean, from that, I guess, TJ, I'll let you also take it away from there. I, I don't really have much else I can cover. I think.
1: Yeah, it's a goddamn good Aussie exploitation flick, uh, Ozploitation for those who are in the know it is fucking awesome and uh i hope that uh we can do more exploitation films moving forward and i'm sure we fucking will because there's a plethora out there and i mentioned one earlier but let's rate this bad boy this week's rating is cracked out vigilante aussies with a shotgun <laughs> out of five boys Brody,
0: I what? will give it a. I will give it a four point five. Okay, hmm.
1: slickerless necklace.
0: It is an even four for
2: me.
1: I'm gonna give it a three point five, and that is an LCE score of four. Cracked out vigilante Aussies with a shotgun out of five for Chopper from 2000. So next episode we have a Nick pick, and we
2: are going Asian again. Hey, woo, right? Yes. Uh we are going to be watching Hard Boiled, speaking about that one, so we can see uh is it Chinese? The Beginnings? Uh I believe it's Hong Kong. Okay. Hong Kong cinema. Okay, so
1: we're gonna venture into some Hong Kong cinema. Well, last season was Korean, right?
2: Old Boy? Or no. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was Old oh, boy. boy. Yes, yeah, yes. South Korean.
1: Yes, I love uh, venturing into that because that is definitely a blind spot in cinema for me, is Asian cinema in general, whether it be Japanese, Korean Or Chinese. It's, yeah, I'm definitely not as well versed in that as I am, let's say Italian or German films.
2: And we will be venturing back to Japan for another one of my picks here soon as well.
1: Fucking, I can't wait for that. And I can't wait for the rest of this season because we have some fucking bangers and we have scheduled quite a delicious plethora of films for you guys. And we'll get to those sooner or later. But that's it for this episode of your favorite exploitation podcast. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser. Signing off.
0: This is your doppelganger, kanga banger, all the way from fucking down under. And I'll say, I'll see you next week, you sons of bitches. Slick Nick, signing out. See you all again next week.
1: I thought you said, I'll see you, like LCE, next week. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh that's fucking clever. But I was like, nah, you didn't say it.
2: No. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I did. Glad you caught that. No. <laughs> hey, i use that next week.
0: I'll see I'll you. I'll see you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I need a piece. So, when will it be out? Well, when it's yeah, going to be out? Is not the year 2000? Oh, don't. don't. I'm serious. What? Wait, you and me are sitting here, surrounded by chooks, for a movie that's gonna be out in the year 2000? You are kidding me.
1: to shut the fuck up put him in the cage quit playing with him jesus (laughs) fucking christ it's amateur hour okay